put your macaques back on the tree and leave everyone alone, you nasty little tourists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Alan, and I'm here with the ever-observant Adam. I'm ready, I'm limbered, I'm ready to go, Al. Observant, sat there in BC, peeping in on other people's travels like the god of travel himself. It's Adam, on the other end of the mic. It has been ever such a long time since we've spoke. I feel like perhaps we say that every week, but this time, oh boy, is it true. Since last time we spoke, I was there with Wagner, God fan favourite Wagner, talking all about our experience in Morocco. Since then, we've departed Morocco and we've gone off our separate ways. Wags is back in Brazil. Listeners will be excited to hear that he's doing ever so well. They can actually send him a line if you want, tripologypodcast at gmail.com. Find out what Wags is up to. What do you reckon? Yeah, let's get him involved. He's the third corner to our love triangle, isn't he? He is. Isosceles, we are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, if you have any thoughts or, or things you want to say to Wag, just, just yeah, send us an email on the usual line and we'll make sure it gets to him. He's back in Brazil. I wrapped up the trip in Morocco and via an absolutely disgusting flight, I've ended up here in Belize. I'm broadcasting to you now from the Belizean jungle. And I would like to describe what I'm looking at here because it looks like you're about to tell a ghost story. Everything is dark behind you, and all I can see is the light from your laptop shining on your face. It's pretty spooky. Well, let me, you know, paint even more of a vivid image. You know, about 100 metres to my left are various troops of pre-release howler monkeys. About two inches to my right, there's a litany of hedgehogs. I really am in the thick of a wildlife rehabilitation centre here in Belize, having ever such a wild time, um, we'll definitely describe it in more detail on future episodes. But for now, I think, just to give the listener some sense of context, what about if I just take you through the remainder of my trip in Morocco, talk to you a bit about what I did in Morocco, and for once in Tropology History, let's do a bit of an informative episode, a Tropology Guide to Morocco. How does that sound? Yeah, yeah, good. Because I don't know a lot about your trip to Morocco, apart from the fact the Wi-Fi was bad, but the coffee was good. Wi-Fi bad, coffee good. Is there anything that you wanted, any notes or minutes that you wanted to inform the listeners? A lot of our listeners say, well, that's all very well and good. You and Wags are gallivanting around North Africa. But how is Adam, you know? How is he doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm just trying to tee up the last two weeks uh, of this month so that I can go away somewhere interesting and as you well know, mate, once you start opening doors and having a look online and speaking to friends in the industry and stuff, it's how do you ever choose one place to go, right? It's a, a difficult process, isn't it? When you start getting enlivened and excited by the idea of a trip. And I know that you're a, a serial planner, so you'll be <laughs> knee deep in facts and figures on population <laughs> sizes and bus fare costs, won't you? Yeah, that's it. I think, oh, I can catch the 215 down to there. And then if I just walk three kilometers at a speed of four kilometers an hour. And if I use a VPN and search for my flights from the Netherlands, I'll save 2% <laughs> on the airfare. Oh, the picture you're painting of me is a true one. Okay, so here we go. Wags contacts me and he goes, 
all right, my friend, let's meet in Morocco. Seems like a good middle ground. We've both never been. That would be a good place for us to meet. And without pause for thought, off I was. I think it was a £30 flight straight from London Stansted to Tangiers. 30 quid, what a bargain. Mate, it was one of those things. When Wags told me he wanted to go to Morocco and I realised that a, pl- a flight from Stansted via Ryanair was going to be such a an affordable price, it really became a no-brainer. So, yeah, Stansted, for those tropologists looking to jump off into Europe, fl- Ryanair flights from Stansted, incredibly cheap and go almost all over this crazy continent that we call home. Price of a Happy Meal. Can you hear that sound, by the way? If, if <laughs> listeners could hear a little sound, that's actually a gecko. That was a gecko laughing at my joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we fly to Tangiers, we reunite, me and Wags. Yeah, the dream team back together. So we planned kind of a clockwise rotation around Morocco, and I'll talk you through it. Tangiers, a couple of sites that I wanted to see. We visited the Hercules Caves which is this cave system that was once believed to go underneath the Strait of Gibraltar. It was thought to be the place where the Barbary macaques first entered Europe from Africa. Beautiful cave system. Wow. It had one of those systems in place, though, Adam. I don't know if you've ever come across it traveling before, where there's like a local price and then a traveler, a backpacker price. Yeah, yeah. And in this context, the... The backpacker price was not even double or triple. It was like six times the local price. Oh, shit. Which is egregious. Could you two not pass as Moroccans? I tried to don a fez and tiptoe in, but uh, no, <laughs> didn't, didn't pass as a Moroccan. So a little bit expensive, but a beautiful cave system. What else to say about Tangiers? We went to this restaurant called Restaurant Bashir, sort of in downtown Tangier. Mm. And honestly... I didn't know it then because it was one of the first nights, but that was the best Moroccan food that I had. Wow, talk us through it. What did you have? Oh, all types of different tagine of varying colours, spices, contents and hues. So, you know, tagine is the local method of cooking. It's like a ceramic pot that's sort of heated to molten temperatures. And you could get any sort of tagine you wanted at this place, be it chicken or meat or vegetable. And then also just an array of different couscous items. Um, it really was. <laughs> couscous, so good they named it twice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They do name it twice. And this place <laughs> named it as many times as you thought to order it from the menu. It was really, uh, yeah, a beautiful, beautiful restaurant, beautiful staff and um Free bread with every meal. Wicked. I've not had much Moroccan food. I've had a lot of Middle Eastern food, of course, and lots of Turkish and Greek food. But Moroccan food for me, it's quite sort of fragrant, isn't it? And quite fresh and a bit of spice to it, but kind of warm spice, not overly hot in terms of like chilly heat, but very, do, do you know what I mean? Is it? Is it like that? Sort of earthy and grilled meats and this kind of stuff? Yeah, I think it's one of those ones where they're, Big on an optional hot sauce in the middle of the table. But, you know, apart from that, the food is quite mild in terms of spice. 
but certainly not mild in terms of flavor, like very flavorful, aromatic, kind of awesome food. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed the food culture. And I think as Wags mentioned on the previous episode, the coffee culture as well. So just the cuisine, dine-out culture in general, I really enjoyed in Morocco. Yeah, I think it's one of those cultures as well in terms of the way they eat. It's quite communal isn't it? They sort of put many dishes in the middle of a table and everyone sort of chips in, tear a bit of bread off, dip it in that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'd say that was accurate. Yeah. Often we would order just uh, something for the middle of the table and be dipping at it. We'd be, mm. you know, I think for sure there's a, a more of a communal vibe to the, to the dining experience. Yeah. That's something I've learned about myself over the years. I love dipping things in other things. Yeah, man, just dip away. <laughs> so after Tangiers, we sojourned. To... Let's dip into the rest of your trip. Yeah, exactly. So after Tangiers, we sojourned to this place called Chef Shawan. I don't know if you've heard of it before, um, but Chef Shawan is a city that's almost, I mean, it was sold to us as a place that's almost entirely painted blue. Right. So all the houses, all the buildings, all the shops and everything, there's just all the streets are painted in this like linear blue hue. And it turned out it was only like 60% of the things. Sort of a baby blue, like similar to the sky on a bright day. Yeah, similar to the sky on a bright day, kind of. um, I mean, it's supposed to represent heaven, they say. That might be one of the etymological reasons for the blue colour. Oh, wow. And, you know, from when you're in it, it's quite remarkable. Like you're moving through these blue streets. You kind of walk out a short walk to the Spanish mosque, kind of 30 minutes out of town and look back at the city and all those blue colours sort of converge. It's quite striking in the Moroccan landscape. It was like a really uh, cool place to visit. Very Instagrammable, you know. Sure, yeah. There's a big presence on Instagram. Did they like a mosaic in Morocco? Probably. No, I don't know. I I don't know if I saw many mosaics. What I did see, though, I'd like to mention is never before have I been in a place where the traditional dress is so prevalently worn out and about by the local people. Mm. They have a very specific kind of garb, these uh, Moroccan people. And uh, I've never seen or been to a place where it's worn so prevalently. Like everyone, everyone like was wearing this traditional Moroccan robe. In varying colours or everyone sort of, there's uniformity. Everyone looks identical in terms of uh, their attire. Well, there's lots of different, there's lots of different kind of interpretations of this robe. But yeah, it has like a hood, like a, a pointed hood and, and many, many people would wear, would wear it. Particularly the older generation, but also lots of, I saw lots of young people donning it as well. Wow. This is across Morocco, you say, or just in this one city? No, no, across the whole of Morocco, yeah, certainly. So every city we went, you'd see people wearing this traditional dress. And it really uh, kind of stuck out to me because I don't think I've been somewhere before where that's been the case. Like, you don't go to... um, Mm. I mean, it'd be the equivalent of going to to, to London and everyone's dressed in, like, that Libertine's red guard outfit, you know? Like, it's really unusual. (laughs) Yeah, totally. What was the weather like when you were there? Hot. Yeah, it was warm. I think we were, you know, cold showers were nice and we were in shorts all the time, you know. Oh, wicked. Good stuff. So, Chef Shawan, this blue city, it was really quite remarkable. And um, I'll post a picture on the Instagram of a cat that I saw in Chef Shawan that itself had the brightest blue eyes and it was juxtaposed against the blue city behind it. So, really cool place. 
Um, I was feeling blue, man. It was really good. <laughs> and from there, our, our clockwise journey continued to somewhere that you might have heard of. I'm not sure if you have. It's called Fez. Of course, you'll be aware of it from the hat, the Fez. <laughs> yeah, from Tommy Cooper stand-up. <laughs> exactly. But really, quite a big city. And it was the first place that we went to where we stayed in a hostel where there was like other backpackers present. Oh, right. Yeah, cool. I think that Morocco used to be a huge destination for the rich and famous, didn't it? Back in like the 60s and 70s, if I, if I remember rightly. It's a pretty cool place. Well, I'll go on to talk about Casablanca. Mm. And, you know, how much that changed the cultural landscape in Morocco, that blockbuster movie. Um, but yeah, certainly. And, and there is a huge backpacker scene there. Tangiers was kind of, we stayed in a place there wasn't many backpackers. Chef Shawan, we stayed in a place there wasn't many backpackers. But when we arrived in Fez, went to this backpacker joint and yeah, we like met a bunch of, you know, German people, Dutch people, got a little travel group together and explored the Medina of Fez. I'm not sure if you're aware of the concept of Medina, but there's this central location in a lot of Moroccan towns and they're like these labyrinthian kind of metropolises where you're like trying to use maps.me, which is a online, offline downloaded map to kind of navigate through these tunnels. It's like really cool. Little stands and shops and you know, fruit shops and jewellery shops kind of darting out of the different nooks and crannies. So yeah, it was interesting to explore that Medina and Fez for sure. Do you feel like there was a certain aspect of where you were that was like going back in time? You know, almost like what it would have been hundreds of years ago. Yeah, I suppose so. I think that it certainly evoked the image of what it would have been like back in time without necessarily ever feeling like I was genuinely time traveling. It was kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's something vaguely touristy about the Medina because obviously like they're trying to attract your business and we all know what it's like to walk through somewhere and like, you know, there's a million people trying to sell you the same wooden camel. <laughs> but um, certainly when, when they were like just hubs of trade and they are the place that the real local people shop for their kind of food and spices and all that stuff. So Really cool to to visit. And Fez as well, the Medina and Fez, famous for being a place where a lot of leather is tanned. So there's these cool leather tanneries, which is really interesting to see. Right. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So at which point are we uh, at in your trip now, towards the end? Because the whole thing was, what, roughly two weeks long? Yeah, roughly. And we're probably about halfway through now. Kind of, We've been spending a few days in each of these places. And a lot of time, of course, me and Wags are just catching up. Like, you know, mm. in Fez, we went and smoked some shisha in this kind of place uh, with, with some of the other travelers that we met. And I remember having this moment. <laughs> we were with. A, Did you get a game of pool in? Yeah, of course. We had a proper game of pool, me and Wags. <laughs> but there was this moment where we were smoking shisha and we were with like a couple of Belgian people and a couple of Canadian people, a couple of German people. And it was like the first time in a long time where I felt like, oh, this is traveling. This is like a proper backpacker group. We're here. We're smoking shisha in the Medina and fairs. Like we're talking about our lives. I, I felt like real proper travel. And I went to bed that night feeling very fulfilled and happy and sort of remembering what I love about travel the most, which is like meeting these exceptional human beings that you wouldn't find anywhere else. Yeah, that's great. That, that sort of Those sort of experiences go a long way, don't they, when you meet other people that are, are out there for the same reasons, I guess. Absolutely, man. And yeah, it certainly didn't disappoint. From there, we made a brief pit stop in Meknes with the sole uh, reason that we just needed to talk to you using some decent Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. And then 
Wags had the desire to go and visit the Sahara Desert. He'd never been to the Sahara before. So we uh, packed our bags and got on a bus to Mazuga, which is like this entry point in Morocco to the Sahara. Mm-hmm. And um, there we met up with some German travelers and we did a hike on the dunes with them and rode sandboards through the Sahara Desert. It was really an awesome, exceptional experience. Wow. Am I right in saying that the Sahara Desert is just south? It's due south, sort of southeast of Morocco. Yeah, southeast is right. Yeah, it's that southeastern corner. And what was really cool about it, like I've been to the Sahara before, you know, when I was in Egypt and stuff, but Mm -hmm. here there are these colossal dunes. But the weather, when we got to the Sahara, it was the first time it had rained in about three years. And we arrived just the day before there was rain. And there was this kind of nice, cool breeze. And we were able to do this walk with these German guys up the side of this dune. And I was just imagining, if it was the regular temperature, it would have been miserable, that climb. But because the the temperature was cooler than usual, it was like a really beautiful hike. It was like, you know, nice and breezy. And you got to the top of this dune. It was this beautiful view of the city. It was like one of my favorite experiences in Morocco. Absolutely. Wow. That sounds awesome. Were you able to do it as a part of an excursion? Is it something that the local tourist centre offers and that kind of thing? I'm sure it is, but no, we were just we just ventured out. We just ventured out to um to the dunes. Oh wow. Good for you. Good for you. It sounds awesome. We rented a sandboard for like ten euros or something and then uh and then uh just yeah, went off hiking into the distance. What's a sandboard look like? Like a, it was it was actually a snowboard. It was it was actually just a snowboard that had like the <laughs> had those clipping like bits. So versatile, those things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was just an ironing board. <laughs> yeah, it was fun though. It's quite intuitive sandboarding, really fun to do. Were you good at it? Not like surfing. Easier than surfing. Well, I've never surfed before, so I don't know. But I'll tell you this. I feel like I had an intuitive sense of just how to stand up on that stand on that sandboard. And like I made it down the side of the mountain, side of the dune, no problem. Wags, on the other hand, fell over like a penguin immediately. Oh, no. You used to skateboard when you were younger. Rollerblade. You? Yeah, I was a big rollerblader. Inline skater, I used to love it, yeah. Jesus, don't tell everyone that. Natural sense of balance. (laughs) I think um, what better place in this conversation i've just hiked to the top of a dune i've sandboarded all the way down i've expended all my energy twisting and contorting my way down to the side of the dunes we're almost exactly at the halfway point of the trip i can sort of sense that the impending flight is coming wags is going to leave me i'm thinking about the future as i'm sliding down that (laughs) dune what better place than just take a moment with our listeners to have a brief meditate have a little think about the way we've all lived our lives and we'll be back very briefly to tell you about marrakesh casablanca and the first step of my journey uh, prior to this crazy layover which we'll talk about in next week's episode let's have a little meditation break let's do it my eyes are already closed Oh, I tell you what, I never felt so rested in all my days. I was just recalling me sliding down the side of this dune in the Sahara. Wags has fallen like a penguin in the night. These German guys have all elegantly glided to the bottom of the uh, of the dune. That's the Sahara. That's Mazuga. What a beautiful place. Very glad that we went. And I think that was probably a highlight of the trip for me. Um, 
for those interested, you can also pay small fees through your hostel and have camel rides out there in the desert. There's lots of that stuff to do. But for anyone visiting Morocco, make the journey down south, short bus ride, and go to Mazuga. I'll say this. There were many, many people we met, including those people we met in Fez, who bought tours to the Sahara, leaving from Fez, leaving from Marrakesh. But me and Wags, just being a tiny bit more experienced, thought we'll just get a bus to Mazuga and do the excursions ourselves. It was far, far cheaper and very, very achievable. So save your money, make your way to Mazuga and experience the Sahara that way, rather than splashing out for a great big tour from one of the major cities. I bet you let Wags pay for it as well, didn't you? Wags was very kind and decided to pay it forward. <laughs> by... <laughs> no, it was good though, mate. It was a good little cost-saving thing. And straight from Mazuga, we went to Marrakesh. Mm. Now, Marrakesh is the city that a lot of people think of when they first imagine Morocco in their minds. They go, well, I'm going to Morocco. Why not go straight to Marrakesh? I'll say this. Didn't like it as much as Fez, but it offered much of the same sorts of things. A busy Medina, a lot of beautiful Moroccan architecture and mosques. Um, But certainly I thought Fez was a more exciting happening kind of city than than Marrakesh was. Are they roughly the same size? Well, Marrakesh is like considered more of a hub, you know? It's like very much more international, more multicultural. But, you know... Really, I, I felt like it was more touristy. The hostel I stayed in in Marrakesh mm-hmm. was a great big sort of backpacker thing with lots of people playing guitar and dancing about. And it was nice in terms of, you know, the acquisition of the backpacker vibe. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like Marrakesh in and of itself, for, for what Marrakesh conjured up in my mind, this sort of like vibrant sort of place filled with interesting scents and cuisines and stuff like that. I felt like I had got most of that stuff from Tangiers and from Fez. And also what I found upsetting, mate, was the sheer quantity of people with macaque monkeys who would try and entice you into taking a photo with the macaque and then charge you a fee. I really hate to see, and it's such a shame to see, and I would like to publicly condemn on this podcast the use of animals for monetary gain in the tourist industry. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it grossed me out to see, and it's really prevalent in Marrakesh, and it really soured my experience because my experience in Morocco in the whole was this beautiful place where, like, the locals showed such kindness to Wags and I. I never once felt like we were being scammed. I never once felt like we were being treated unfairly. You know, you hop in a cab and everyone's honest about the prices and all that stuff. So it was a real shame to see them exploiting primates in that way. Yeah. And uh, it left a bitter taste in my mouth with regards to the old Marrakesh. That's it. I, I can even, I can imagine it. I guess it had a sort of collar around its neck attached to a chain. Was it wearing a fez itself and a little waistcoat? That's it. I don't know if he was necessarily dressed as a boo from Disney's Aladdin, but he was certainly <laughs> up to no good, that macaque, and it, through no fault of his own. Yeah, it's not the only place it happens, mate. You know, when I was in Japan, November, December, I saw the same thing. Busy tourist area, and they, they lo and behold, there's a macaque on a on a chain. You know, performing for the for the public. It's not nice, is it? So yeah, like I say, a public condemnation from Adam and Alan from Tropology Podcast. Put your macaques back on the tree and leave everyone alone, you nasty little tourists. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
<laughs> okay, so back back on the tree <laughs> with, with its family. Dad, what, what are you wearing that waistcoat for? <laughs> <laughs> but he's got ever such a wad of cash. He's done ever so well for himself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bless him. No, it's a serious issue. Come on. So, from, from Marrakesh, we arrived at the final stop on our journey. And listeners will be aware of the movie Casablanca, one of the world's greatest movies, giving you such lines as, here's looking at you, kid. Play it again, Sam. And... Oh, that one where he's like, oh, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but every single day for the rest of your life. It's all sorts of stuff like that. It's a very quotable movie, and it's set in Casablanca. And that was where me and Wags went for our final stop. Oh, yeah. Very different vibe to the rest of Morocco. Whereas Fez, Tangiers, Chefchaouen, Meknes, Mazouga, Marrakesh, all these places had such a, a sort of elegant vibe, old ancient medinas, Moroccan kind of cuisines wafting through the streets. We arrived in Casablanca and thought, crikey, what an unusual sort of big bustling metropolitan city, but sort of like vaguely decaying aesthetically. And um, so our first night there, we thought, well, this isn't much like the movie at all. (laughs) A quick Google revealed that the entirety of the movie was filmed in Los Angeles. Oh, well, there you go. That'll do it. But I'll say this for Casablanca, mate. On the second day, we did a little whistle-stop tour and went to some areas of the city. It is a, a city of very juxtaposed, proximus differences in wealth. So you'll get like a crazy derelict part of the city right next to a beautiful, picturesque part of the city. And mm-hmm. some parts of the city were just absolutely sublime to look at. One particular thing we did, which really stuck out, was visit Hassan II's mosque. It's, I think, the largest functioning mosque in Africa. Whoa. And it was really, really remarkable. Like, it was one of the few places that you'll know. It's very, very difficult to visit a mosque as a traveller. You know, most of the time you have to be a practising Muslim to even get in. Mm-hmm. But this place was incredibly hospitable, allowed us as travellers to go in and walk around, taking your shoes off, be respectful, for goodness sake, tripologist. Um, but it was really a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful building. And I thought, you know, what a great kindness for the, for the Muslim population of Morocco to allow travellers to go in a San Seconds mosque. And yeah, really, really, really cool. It was one of the most beautiful structures and pieces of architecture I've ever seen. So that was very much the last activity that we did together in Morocco, Wags and I. And the next day we departed for our separate flights. Oh, that's incredible. That's, uh, yeah, I, I love religious buildings in general, I would say. I do always make a point of visiting them because I think architecturally they're very impressive and they always hold a lot of significance and importance in a city or have done over the years. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I hope that that's been like a benefit to our listeners. It's been an unusual episode for Tripology because normally we're going back and forth talking about all kinds of bull, but this was very much a travel guide to Morocco. 
I feel, Adam, like it's been very one-sided. I've just been rabbiting, rabbiting on. But listeners will know behind the scenes that in this place where I'm situated, a hedgehog to my right, some howling monkeys to my left, there's awful Wi-Fi, ever such a delay. So maybe it's just best for now that I've just gone on, on about Morocco. And our listeners now have a little sense of an itinerary, you know, from Europe, fly into Tangiers. And, you know, we're big advocates of overland travel. There's this beautiful route that you can take overland using buses and trains that are very easy to take in Morocco and very affordably priced, clockwise around. And once again, from Tangiers to Chefchaouen to Fez to Meknes to Mazuga to Marrakesh and Casablanca, that's like a really nice, comprehensive, clockwise journey, you know. And I think that is a route that I would recommend to anyone visiting that country. Wow. So backpacker friendly as well. It's easy enough to navigate and... People are very welcoming. It's all sort of set up. The infrastructure's there and you can do most of it just using local buses. Absolutely. We pretty much just travelled on on buses, night buses. There's a an app that you can download that you can buy bus tickets on. I'll link that in the description of this episode just to the website that has an associated app. And a really, really safe, really cool place to travel. We took one train as well from, from, uh, from Fez to Meknes. Really, really cool country, would recommend. And of course, I just want to say again, couldn't have asked for a better travel compadre in that trip. Like, always nice to travel with wags. Have you got anything you'd like to add, anything you'd like to talk about, or should I go on a bit of a monologue? Well, the only thing I will say is I was having a tough time trying to decide where to go, as it was, and now Morocco's in the mix. That's right, Adam. Morocco, like a single piece of spice to an otherwise holistically bizarre couscous, Morocco has been added as a a little thought worm that you might have. Should I go to India? Should I go to South America, Central America? Should I go to Africa? Should I go to North Africa, Morocco? One place that you can add as a pin in a really large, really beautiful map. We astropologists will explore the whole world, one country at a time. And now you have a comprehensive guide to one country in North Africa as travelled by yours truly and his Brazilian friend, Wagner. So next week, I want to talk a little bit about an 80-hour layover-ridden flight that I took to get from Morocco to Belize. It was the single longest journey. I set a stopwatch when I set off and I set stopped the stopwatch when I arrived and it was over 80 hours of just constant, constant in transit, not sleeping in a bed, going from A to B, journeying, journey, tripological wonderment. And I'm going to talk about it all on the next episode. Oh my God, the listeners are saying another episode where Adam only says five things and Alan's going on and on. Yes, that's what you're stuck with because soon Adam will go on a trip and we'll do the inverse. I love you, Adam. And I love you, the listening audience. Follow us at Tropology Podcast on all social media and type us out a little email full of beautiful words at tropologypodcast at gmail.com I don't know about you but I'm going to go to the next episode come on <laughs> <laughs>